From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. DR shovels it to Jackson, down the lane, kick it out, Hawkins left side, steps left, shoots the three, got it. Connecticut is blowing out Gonzaga. And the pull down by Johnson, outside for Butler for three, it's good! It is over. The San Diego State Aztecs, for the first time in program history, will head to the Final Four. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Five o'clock hour. Cofield and Company. Willie Ramirez is in. We're going to go down to Phoenix. The end of the hour, owners' meetings, lots of rumors, stuff around Aaron Rodgers. Josh McDaniels was spoken to by several media members. I think he spoke this morning at 745. Yeah, so Willie is the company. Ari is here in the Finley Toyota Studios. Uh, Tomorrow we'll be on the road. We'll be at... LV Ballpark, as UNLV Baseball is going to be taking on Arizona State at 6.05, so we'll lead into the game at LV Ballpark. On the way back, you heard the call from the Elite Eight right here in town with UConn crushing Gonzaga. The call by Ryan Radke of Westwood One and San Diego State from the Mountain West. San Diego State. (laughs) Moves on with the win over Creighton. The call there on Westwood one by Tom McCarthy. Good stuff. Those guys are great. I was seated right behind Ryan Radke and PJ Carlissimo both Thursday and Saturday. Couldn't hear anything they were saying. It was loud. It was loud. It was a good environment, wasn't it? It was fantastic. It just sucks at the second half of the Zags. Uh, Julian Strother. Tough break, tough break. They just didn't play that well, and they kind of fell apart in the second half. But uh, Thursday was really loud, and I was uh, I was happy and impressed with the crowd on Saturday because sometimes you know the, the right teams don't make it from an attendance standpoint. But the that, the uh, Zags probably turned out seven thousand fans and a lot of people. There were a lot of UConn. A fans. lot of people came from UConn. Yeah. So, I'll tell you one thing. You mentioned Julian. How cool is this? If if it, if that was his swan song, at least he could say that. The biggest shot of his career happened in his hometown, and Kevin Harlan called this play on TV. Yeah. That was cool. And I talked to Lee today, by the way, and the one thing I got from the text message from Lee is that it sounds like Julian is stress-free right now. Yeah. He's just really just kind of – he exhaled. So, good for him. What do you think it's going to be like telling Mark Few that he's going to the, uh, the draft? Thanks for everything. I'm out. Yeah, I think it's. I don't think it's. Gonna I don't think she's going to have a problem with it. No, and I don't Can't. think that Julian's going to have a problem either. It's you know that hey, this is a this has now become business, and it's a rotating door. And if anything, let's just let's put it out there. Julian Strother's been a key cog in that on that roster. I know his freshman year, he was you know limited t- playing time. He averaged about seven minutes, but he's never been the main guy, so he's not going to have a problem leaving. You sent over a note. Oh, boy. Yeah, this is this could be ugly. You sent over a note that says, Gonzaga's championship window may have come to a fruitless end. Few can't coach in the big ones. 
So I don't agree with you on that one. Okay. The, I mean, I would have liked to, to see them nut up and play a lot better defense yes. in the second half. And the Timmy thing is tough. There's like 18 minutes left in the game. What do you do? Because it's real easy for me on the sideline watching the game to go, you know what? Use this as a positive. Screw the refs. Because I, I truly think that after that fourth foul call, which was absurd, it was incidental contact, and they call a fourth on Timmy. He goes to the bench because all coaches, they always will put a guy on the bench with four with that much time left. It almost never happens. Right. But I'm sitting there thinking, man, these refs screwed up so much, and everyone in the building knows how bad that was, and they knew how bad it was. I leave him in, and I tell Timmy, you know what, Drew, do whatever you want. Just play like a friggin' bulldozer because you know what they're going to do? Make up, make up, make up. And they did it a couple times, but, like, it doesn't do any good. Yeah, here's a couple ticky-tack fouls. Yeah, Drew, are you coming back in? No. Well, that doesn't help it. But that's easy for me to say, like, just, you know, leave him in. And then he fouls out with 16 and a half minutes left. And it's also, it's easy for me to say after I see the result, right? Well, you got blown out, so what's the difference? Like, I didn't know that was going to happen. It happened, though. It was bad. Yeah, the the headline I said over, that was a headline from a story, but I did add in the few can't coach in the big ones because I said that at the beginning of the tournament and that, you know, he 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 gets the big recruits in, but when it comes up to crunch time, he hasn't yeah. done it. So the the reason I, I kind of like this story uh, that I found on SI.com was oh boy. because... Did one of their writers write it or one of their... No, fan a, media people. No, it wasn't that. It was a, it was a writer. Okay. Uh, I I. Sorry, there is a difference now. I yes, there's at a major that, big difference. Website. Yeah, yeah, there is a because one of our one of our friend of the shows he he's he's now with SI, but he's actual SI writer, Gilbert Manzano. Right, he's not just picking up a paid site. Hmm. But um, here's the thing, Steve. In the past several years, since their first championship run, they've always had stars sitting there underneath the stars. Like, we've known about Drew Timmy through Chet Holmgren, Corey Kispert. Right. Right? Who's coming up? Who's following Drew and and, uh, and Julian? Come on. He's going to get recruits. You know what's going to happen. Yes. And you're right. And and, and for them, But championship window is what we're talking about here. I think they can win next year. No. No. Watch, Watch what they get in the portal. Okay. Watch what they get. Do we need to make an early advance that how far they're going to get? Well, next if year? I if I can get odds right now off of what you're saying to like, win the championship, Gonzaga's eighty to one right now. Off of what you're saying, right? Because you're right. I'm rolling the dice. Yeah. Trust me. All right. You know when Ric Flair referenced the dirtiest player in the game, Gonzaga ain't going to be a wallflower during the friggin' portal. No, but when, neither when more is. Guys, you watch what they land yes. in the front court. Yes. It's like we'll look up and go, wait, what just who? They just got three of the top 11 guys? Right. Yeah. And they then did. I, and then I and then I'm looking at what Florida Atlantic did and San Diego State did and I'm going, okay, who's going to go and say, "You know what? Screw Gonzaga. We saw what UConn did to them. I want to play for St. Mary's. I want to play for San Francisco. I want to I want to be I don't the think d- that's going to happen okay. to that level." Okay. Whatever you say. I mean, I can't make a bet here cuz I know. We're not well, it's an absurd. It's, it's an absurd bet. Like I would. I'll. I'll. Okay. Give me. Give me. We'll four, revisit. Give it. me forty to one. We'll revisit it. Because my guess is, by the time the recruiting period is over, they'll be inside of twenty to one. You're one hundred percent right that they're going to. Gonzaga's always going to be 
the West for now. I don't want to say always, but they're going to be the West Coast Conference. But in how they're wording this, the Bulldogs' era of dominance may be closing after they crashed out. Gonzaga's championship window may have come to a fruitless end. Why? Because there's nothing there on the horizon. They've had these players in place. So we'll see what happens with the transfer portal. We'll see who comes in. But again, they were already there. So you got to come in and you got to. You're right. So, they couldn't win with an older team. They, and they, I think, you know, they hit, they ran into a freaking buzzsaw. UConn might be, you know, playing the best oof. of anyone in the country right now. They're a really goodness. good, really good team, layered, a lot of depth. The destruction. You know what? If Timmy, if Timmy stays in, Steve, with three fouls, I still don't know I don't that think you're going to win. I, don't, I still don't I didn't like the way he was playing. That I don't. I don't understand the mentality. If you go out and score thirty six points, yeah. And this is why Timmy gets criticized sometimes. If you go out and score thirty six points in the Sweet Sixteen game, and you're this brilliant scorer, you're freaking nimble. You can shoot pretty much every shot, left, right, runners. You got great post moves, great footwork, and you're going against Adama Sonogo, who is a seventeen point eight rebound guy, has been on fire in the tournament. Me, listen, I couldn't play at that level. But my mindset would be, I'm getting him off the floor. Because honestly, I I thought Sonogo was good. He's not good offensively. And I think Timmy could have destroyed him in the post, but he played really meek. Like, big to big, attack! Get him off the floor! I'm better than you! I don't care if you're, you know, whatever, 255 and I only weigh 230. I am going to spin you in circles and get you on skates, and you're getting the fouls. And instead, he didn't attack. I don't. I don't give a cry. You blocked me five times. I'm going to keep coming, and he didn't do it. And who's drawing those plays up? Who's well, coaching in those games? Trust me no, when no, I tell no. you. Okay. I know for a no, fact. I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. And then the the thing I was disappointed with is Timmy came in with four. Yeah. And if I were a few, again, I would have said they're not calling fouls on you because this will look horrendous that they foul you out a minute. You know, back into when you're playing again, he comes out and he's like he's running the top. Yeah. And he's basically he's setting picks and handing off like. Yeah. Get in the post. Yes. yes. They're going to call fouls on the opposition. Yeah. Attack. No. Come no, on. No aggressiveness. Yeah, that's And maybe ultimately, you know, us defending him really hard, maybe that's, you know, the the one knock you can have against him is that he didn't – he seized the moment in the last game against UCLA, but in this one, bruh. And you can credit we'll UConn's to... defense all you want, but there were times Gonzaga was getting – they were getting looks. The ball just wasn't falling. Yeah, the, the first three, the half, three the ball, ball was terrible. How many, how many did you see rattle in and yep. out? Yep. I mean, it was it was endless for uh, for a lot of the guys on that roster that were finding uh, open shots. They, it, was, it was as if the, the, the inside of the rim was rubber, and it was da 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 and it was coming out. So in the women's tournament, we still got some – you know some of the uh, the big boy programs, the big lady programs, right? Mm-hmm. LSU has become a a big boy program again oh, with yeah. with Kim Mulkey. Ugh. Yeah, I thought about you when that happened. Yeah, <laughs> but you did. You know, you look up and you see a couple of programs that are used to seeing there. UConn ain't there. Uh, this was UConn after the game, and I guess they thought that there may have been some flopping going on on the other side. And there's some class here from the player, but. Uh, Gino Oriema, who's another all-time sore loser, has to jump in. You know, Aliyah just plays with so much passion. Um, I think the Baylor team, you know, has some floppers out there. It's, it's okay. You know, it happens. Um, I flop too sometimes, so it's nothing new. Is there still a flop when you run into somebody that in, in the NFL would be a 15-yard penalty? <laughs> Is that still a flop? By the way, who's the dork laughing off to the side? Cut it out. Don't encourage him. 
All right? Stop. Might have been the moderator because it came in pretty clear. By the way, do you see Jeff Motley, who's been working up at the Speedway forever, is a former media member. I remember booking Jeff back in like 96 to talk VTech football for a sports fan radio network. So he knows both sides of this thing. Is there ever going to be a moment at one of these NCAA regionals when someone does what Mick Cronin did, where he comes out and he complains about the 33 minutes and he's like, I'm not going to make an opening statement? Or the best ever was Bobby Knight screaming at some poor dude in Boise, Idaho. Is there ever going to be a point where someone stands up and, and says, what did you just say? Like, what, How cool would it have been if Motley got up? He'd never work one of these again. But if Motley got up and he's like, I said make a statement. <laughs> All right? It's not our fault. Well, but this is what I would have done. It's not our fault that it took 33 minutes to get you out here. You see these people? They wouldn't stop asking questions. And by the way, some of them were stupid. Mm. So, sorry. You got all the glory here. You got to wait a couple extra minutes. Too bad. And then just walk over to him and stand there. And then and then Cronin would stand up and he would be at Motley's belly button. Yeah. Let's go, coach. Let's go. But these are things I dream of. They're not going to happen. Did you like that? I'm like... <laughs> Mick Cronin. Yeah. Jesus, he was salty. You want to rethink that and make a statement, brother? He was salty. Yeah, he was. He I was have salty. no opening statement. Yeah. It took 31 minutes yeah. for me to get out here. Now let me lecture you on loyalty. We're yeah. all sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> you loyalty? What? Who do you think you're talking to, brother? You're here in Las Vegas. You shook hands. I don't know if you kiss babies, but you shook hands. And accepted the UNLV job, Mr. Loyal. Only to go back to Cincinnati and then tell Cincinnati two years later I'm leaving. Loyalty. Lecture. Yeah, Gino's got Gino's got some of that too. The worst the worst part about Gino Oriama, like, bruh, you you always win. Yeah. yeah. Now that there's more competition, now you're gonna be a friggin' baby. Sore losing it. Sore losing it. Well, you have there's a great story. Going on here. First of all, Mulkey going to LSU and almost immediately turning him in to winners is cool for that whatever that program, right? She irks yeah. me. Yeah. Um, and her players kind of reflect her. They're they're arrogant. They're confident. It, confident. It works, right? Her outfits. You love them. I don't know what the the, the uh, are you going to get a jacket like that? The flamboyance. The, of uh, the the feathers on the sleeves on both sleeves. It's like she was wearing a boa, right? No, I'm good. I'll give her cry. You know what? Actually, that softened my stance on her a little bit. But then you, you she know. came out with her own statement. That's all. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Caitlin Clark. Oh, this story is cool. Oh, because we know she's awesome. Oh, but I love your angle on this one. And this this is like a real wake up call for the WNBA. Wait until we lay this one out for you. So by the way, we got LSU and Iowa are on to the Final Four. Right, we're waiting on Ohio State, VTAC, and Maryland and South Carolina. Clark over the weekend for Iowa had 41 points, 12 assists, 10 rebounds, right? In one game. In one game. <laughs> um, before that game, uh, no one had had a 30-point triple-double or a 40-point tri- uh, triple-double. I think no one had ever had a 30-point triple-double in any in tournament. In men or women. In men or women and, right. and 40. So, anyway, um, my, my question is, hey, where's she going to go in the NBA draft? Okay. And I can't believe your answer, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I she she she's NBA WNBA draft. She ain't she ain't getting drafted. She's why? And she's already said 
I'm going back. Yeah. Going back for my senior year, as she should. Win or lose the championship. Go for two in a row. If they lose, go for that title. But more than anything, go for the money. Yep. That's why that's why the men leave after their junior year. They're yeah. going for the money. They're these women who are capped out at around 250, 260. I can't remember what the exact number is because last year during the WNBA Finals, Commissioner Kathy Engelbert had told us at a press conference here in Las Vegas that they uh, they had approved higher salary. Mm-hmm. That higher salary is right. between two fifty and three hundred thousand dollars, whatever it is. They're going to make. But that's why they go overseas, right? So, th- so why think they about, get so endorsement. Th- so think about this right now: the Cavender twins right. at Miami are probably making in excess of a million. My guess is at a minimum it's over $750,000 this year. There's two of them. but And I don't know if Clark is willing to do all the stuff the Cavender Twins do in terms of endorsements and the, just flooding the internet. And they had a brand that goes back more than a few years. What if she can make a half a million dollars? What if she can make one how about, how off about, of this? How about that angle that if she can make four or $500,000 off NIL in college, the WNBA can't afford – it's top prospects. That's right. What does that say about the league? The WNBA can't afford Caitlin Clark. Yikes. Well, all of a sudden, you know who's thankful for NIL? The NBA, which owns the WNBA because, hey, well, at least, you know, at least our top prospects are getting paid elsewhere. But, yeah, it's 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 a major statement that these players might as well just stay in college and get paid for what they're doing. And 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 there's a benefit to to women's college basketball and the popularity there. I I just think back to how much money. I would like I wonder if there is I know there are sites out there that sort of value they put it on there. There's one in particular and I can't think of it. Is it on 3 or 3 on? Or I three? saw it the other day and they yeah. had, they had the Cavender Twins at like valuation of, of yeah. it was actually like 775. I was surprised. Was, it was a little lower than I thought it was. Yeah. But okay. I would like to see an, a guesstimated, based on today, value of players such as Sabrina Ionescu, Asia Wilson, right? To see what those players would have. The Gonzalez twins, they didn't come back for their senior year to UNLV because the NC2A wouldn't let them do their music. But can you imagine the state of women's college, women's college basketball, where it would have been? If this would have been in place a few years ago, as it is, I think it's a benefit all around. Athletes Unlimited has been getting tremendous. They just finished up yesterday, their their final, or uh, Saturday. They just finished up their final day. You tie that in with what women's college basketball is doing. The popularity heading into this season's WNBA is going to be fantastic. Coming up, Willie and I both think this is one of the greatest Final Fours that we've seen in recent memory, and yet... All over the place, we've got sports fans, sports broadcasters, commentators saying that a Final Four of Miami, UConn, Florida Atlantic, and San Diego State is death to the game. This is terrible. We need to make changes. Cofield and Company is live at LV Ballpark this Tuesday from 3 to 6 p.m. for Rebels Baseball. UNLV is taking on Arizona State. Get your tickets now at UNLVtickets.com. It's Cofield and Company, live from the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, rolling on. 
We're going to talk to Q Myers, NFL owners meetings in Phoenix in about 25 minutes. But Willie and I are all toked up today over the Final Four. I think it's great. Do we have a little bit of Mountain West Conference, mid-major bias? Maybe a little bit. But for me, this is a prophecy come true because I've been telling everyone NIL is going to be a good thing. The movement of players is a good thing. Does it suck for the coaches? Is it a different game for the coaches? Yeah. But guess what? The most flexible and most creative, most open-minded coaches will figure out a way to manage it. But what this has done now with the name, image, likeness, and money being available above board, right? College basketball, the elite programs have been paying players for 50 years. Now, more schools can come to the table, buy their schools to the table, and there's nothing wrong with it, right? But what we've got is players who get recruited at Power 5, you don't play, you can move to your left or right, or you can go down and find a place where you're going to play more. That has always been the history of the Mountain West Conference. San Diego State's roster is filled with lots of transfers. Now, the difference with them is once they get a transfer, that person generally doesn't leave unless they tell them to leave, and they did it with a guy last year. They had a guy in from Duquesne, and he wasn't doing what he's supposed to do, and he was undisciplined on the floor, and they were like, mm, you know what, move on, which, by the way, is the other side of this. Loyalty! Coaches push guys out all the time. So please, get that through your skulls. It's not just young kids being kids in this generation, right? So kids can move down. They can also move up and get themselves in better positions, maybe make some money NIL-wise. Um, I don't like – Isaiah Stevens at Colorado State has another year left, which you're like, holy crap, this guy feels like he's 25 years old. <laughs> I would be really impressed. Impressed is not the right word. I don't think he should stay at Colorado State. He should go win somewhere. He's a Texas kid. If you want to go home, go to one of the Texas schools in a Power Five. You're almost guaranteed to get into the NCAA tournament. Is he a bad kid for doing that? Of course not. No. Of course not. So NIL is potentially helping everyone. The big boys, you got to manage your roster better. You got to hold on to guys. Maybe you don't always go after, you know, the top 25 players. There's more wealth to be spread around. Different schools can win. That's good for sports. By the way, why do we like the NFL playoffs and the NBA and the NHL? and Major League Baseball with 14 and 16 teams in, but this playoff we don't like. We do. But we don't like. Oh, true champion. It's very random. It's always been random. The best team in college basketball hasn't won the national championship every year. The best team in the NFL doesn't win every year. Baseball, same thing. NHL, same thing. NBA, same thing. It's all this negativity. And then, as we've been saying all show, we love this Final Four, right? It's exciting. There's a lot of good stories. Just because you don't know the names, well, that's on you. Watch college basketball more. Because we do, we know the names. We know the stories. I'm actually jealous of those who are going. You're going down there because the storylines of some of these guys, it's, you're going to have a field day of stories you can write about. And one of the things that annoys me the most about college basketball, and it's, it's, this, this happens with a lot of sports. A lot of sports are regional. And for the biggest people in the media, they cover the big stories. They don't cover the nuts and bolts of a season. But then they come in when the playoffs start, and they start speaking like they're experts, and it's like, you have no idea. You don't talk to people in college basketball. You're not connected. You didn't do the work. You don't know the stories. And Charles Barkley's one of those guys. While he can be the clown prince and do his bracket and, you know, whatever, talk about food and just be prisoner of now and speak about what goes on in front of him in a particular game, 
his opinion on what college basketball is overall is just irrelevant. And he was on 60 Minutes, and you'll hear the reporter here, hey, well, you know, what do you think of college basketball? And I, what Charles says here is absurd. What do you make of the college game today? It's a travesty and a disgrace. I'm so mad now how we can mess up something that's so beautiful. How do we mess it up? We can't pay all these players. Translation, Barkley hates the new Wild West of college sports, where players go to the schools that can bid the highest. In the next three to five years, we're going to have 25 schools that's going to dominate the sports. And these schools who can't afford or won't pay players are going to be irrelevant. This That is one of the most hilarious sports takes I've ever heard. He doesn't like today's Wild West. Bruh, you played. You got during, paid. During one of the Wild West eras, you know when that era was from? Uh, probably 1960, late 50s, through like four years ago. It's been the Wild West. And to your point, you don't think Charles Barkley at Auburn got to wet his beak a little bit? You think he was some underrated one star? No one knew about him? Come on. The well, eight, the eighties in college basketball. Wait, this year is the Wild Wild West. Give me a freaking break! And not only that, but I think that the the reporter screwed up. All right, can we just get the beginning? Play the beginning for me again, real quick. I'll tell you when to stop. What do you make of the college game today? It's a travesty and a disgrace. I'm so mad now. How we can mess up something that's so beautiful? How do we mess it up? We can't pay all these players. Translation, Barkley hates the new Wild West of college sports, where players go to the schools that can bid the highest. There's the mistake. It's not the schools that are paying. Your argument is about NIL. The schools aren't paying NIL. It's not the schools that can pay the most. No, that was the old way that you played in. The schools that could pay the most right. were in the 80s and 90s, the Dukes, the UNLVs, the Auburns, your alma mater. Now he says in the next three to five years, we're going to have 25 schools that's going to dominate sport. No. Because, good. No, and you know what? You may be wrong because it might be 40 or 50 where NILs are going to dominate in those cities. Yeah, that's great. You want it back to where only about 10 schools can afford to pay the players under the table with the with the envelope? Shut up. Do, they, do these guys just forget? Is this? I mean, Barkley. What, 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 what is Barkley? Is he? He's got to be what? Fifty-seven. He's got to be a few years older than us. Right? I would he's imagine. not much yeah. older. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are you are you lying on purpose? Did he forget? National show today. National show today. Right. Kayshawn J. Walmack. Right. The morning show. KJM. Karan Butler was the guest. Right. Ke- uh, Max welcomes in. Keyshawn's first question. Kron, how much did you get paid when you were at UConn? Good. Good. That Because they've been talking about the Good. same subject, but Good. in a positive way. And and by the, by the way, who asked that? Keyshawn. Did they ask on the show? Jay Williams, how much did you get paid to go to Duke? No, that That's the ongoing thing. It's like Jay Will tells us what he got paid. Oh, he does. But does he say it on the air? I think, I, I think back he admits that he did, but he didn't say how much. And that's why this has all started. Wow. Is that how, Jason, this, how this transition? Jay Williams has actually admitted that he got paid at Duke. Coach K's got to be rolling over in his grave. If I'm not mistaken, and he ain't dead. The topic, because today he said to Cron, he goes, "Well, Jay Will says it," and he goes, "Jay Will, I didn't tell you how much, or I didn't say something to that effect." But that's been the theme for weeks. 
It's fantastic. I love, I, by the way, I love that they went there. Yes. Because as great. I mentioned, as I mentioned in our one, in it basically in reference to this cut where we're hearing about the new Wild Wild West. Yes. Yukon in stores, Connecticut, beautiful stores, mm-hmm. was pulling players like Karan Butler out of Wisconsin. He didn't stay in the Big Ten and landing players out of California. But this is the Wild West now. Okay. I mean, it's just the, the absurdity is ludicrous. It really is. It's it's beyond me that this doesn't even – Steve, Seriously, to be honest it, it, with you, it, this doesn't even have anything – like, I, I get what you're saying, but this is beyond outside the realm of huh. not following college basketball. You're just saying something. Think about what you're saying, Charles Barkley. In the next three to five years, we're going to have 25 schools that's going to dominate the sports because they can afford players. So what you're saying is you'd rather have the blue bloods that can only afford it and nobody else. Well, why why did this Final Four happen? That his his fears haven't kicked in yet. It's Florida Atlantic, UConn, Miami, and San Diego State. There's three schools there that are not traditional blue bloods with tons of money. Miami in football had tons of money, and I think they bought themselves to the table with this one. You know, Nigel Pack they actually promoted, getting him like a you know two year eight hundred thousand dollar deal. Like it's right in front of his face. Oh, I'm afraid that NIL is going to make it so only 25 schools can compete. Well. Three of the four schools here, I don't think Charles Barkley could name one player on the roster before the tournament, and I'm not sure he can name any after the tournament. Like, he might not even know these. He might not know a player on Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, or Miami, even after the tournament and having to cover it. We're getting more balance. So what is this fear? And what is and, and, and it, the number that he's using, 25, by the way? Yeah. 25 schools. So, so what you're saying is there's going to be a premier 25 schools. Well, the AP votes on the top 25 anyway, so I mean. In a sense, that's these are the every week we see who the top twenty five schools that are dominating the sport as it is. So now you're getting you're going to have even more than that randomly off this NIL thanks to the transfer portal and thanks to the success of what we've seen this year. ESPN Las Vegas is hooking you up to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers at Allegiant Stadium. Listen to the Press Box and Cofield and Company all week long for your chance to win or go to Ticketmaster.com to purchase tickets. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. All right, rolling on. We're going to get down to Phoenix in just a couple minutes. Q Myers on the road covering the NFL owners' meetings. Uh, one last point today on what's going on in college basketball, which I think is great. More schools can compete. More schools can pay some money. It's not cheating anymore. You can do it above board with legit sponsorships from companies, and you know, I'm sure some of them are uh, no-show jobs. But I just want to illustrate a point mm. on what's going on in college basketball in terms of guys getting some money, and there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, John Tanjay, who's one of the players on Colorado State, just averaged 15 points a game. He committed, news comes out today, to Mizzou. And I don't know what he's getting. I do know this. It's a pretty regular thing in the SEC for football where even the schools you wouldn't think of, they have sponsorships where, you know, plus cost of living, where players are getting like $35,000 a piece. So if Colorado State... Can't offer that. And by the way, I think Colorado State can. It's actually a, it's a pretty wealthy school yeah. in terms of backers. Yeah. But the kid wants to move up. Okay. Right? Even if he's just getting a base of 35 or 40 grand, good for him. UNLV transfer Keyshawn Gilbert. Told a reporter, the school's looking at him, or at least he heard from 
these schools. Arkansas, West Virginia, TCU, Oklahoma, Missouri, Iowa State, San Diego State, Wake Forest. There's not a school on that list that I just mentioned. Arkansas, West Virginia, TCU, Oklahoma, Missouri, Iowa State, San Diego State, Wake Forest. That will not be giving Keyshawn Gilbert something. Not one. Absolutely. Not one. And you know what? For him, hey, pick the right spot. I wouldn't just go for the most money. Pick the right spot because you got to get it right this time. Pick the coach who you think is going to work well with you. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. And for people out there who are freaking out about UNLV not being able to compete in these waters, they can. Trust me. They will be. They've been looking forward to this offseason. They've been prepping. Yep. They'll be ready. Yep. I think you can say that beyond UNLV. I think every school, you know, and and you mentioned earlier at the top of the show about UConn bringing back their, you know, proving to old standbys, hey, we can rebuild. That same goes for a UNLV program that went to Sweet 16 with Lon Kruger. You can get back there. This is going to revitalize a lot of programs, and the NIL and the transfer portal is going to be the big boost. And when you have Las Vegas backing you, pony up. Because communities are now going to see, hey, this is what this is where we can legally do this now. Let's get the money going. Cofield and Company is live at LV Ballpark this Tuesday from 3 to 6 p.m. for Rebels Baseball. UNLV is taking on Arizona State. Get your tickets now at UNLVTickets.com. It's Cofield and Company, live from the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. Rolling on here on this Monday, ESPN Las Vegas. We're here in the Finley Toyota Studios. Let's go down to Phoenix. We're all over the country this week. Uh, I'll be in Houston covering the Final Four, but Q Myers is on the road with uh, Vinny at the owners' meetings. Q, how was it today? Uh, it was it was interesting. Let's put it like that. I think interesting is a really good word. Uh, we met with the we met with the coaches around seven forty five uh, Pacific time, obviously here in, in Phoenix, and uh, well, it's Mountain Time Phoenix, but we're all in the same time right now, which is kind of cool. Uh, but it was seven forty five that we met with the coaches, and then about three minutes into us actually sitting down with all the coaches, I'm around head coach Josh McDaniel, so was Vinny. All of a sudden. Uh, the tweet comes out from Lamar Jackson that he mentioned that he wanted to be traded on March 2nd. So all of a sudden, John Harbaugh, who was sitting a couple tables over from us, gets peppered with a bunch of questions. So it got real interesting after that. So generally, when something like this happens, a, a bombshell, uh, you'll get an opinion kind of going in one direction. Are most people down there thinking, ah, this is just another step in the process? Uh, no one's going to trade for him, or does this change the story? I think from what I've gathered from talking to different people like a Diana Rossini and, and others, right, that, uh, that people do believe that it's going to be a little bit different, right? It's not going to be exactly what it has been so far while he's been sitting there on the non-exclusive tag. Now, that doesn't mean that there's going to be a team that's going to trade, but I do think a few other teams may at least have their, uh, their interest peaked and may make a call and say, okay, wait, hold on. So what is it going to take? And really, it could be something, this is kind of the consensus that I've received as I've talked to multiple people, is the fact that they think this is going to be drug out and it could end up happening after the draft or right before the draft but it's not going to be a quick process regardless uh, but something could get done with the team uh, that that is eventually interested in Lamar as many teams should be interested in Lamar speaking to our own Q Myers Raider Nation radio down live at Phoenix Q I gotta ask you though I love this if this is the case but do you think 
that because he said that he asked for the trade earlier this month. Yeah. But he tweets it out today. How strategic is that to force the issue while all the top national media is in Phoenix? Hey, guess what? Now you got to talk about it. Oh, yeah. No, that was definitely strategic. I mean, look, again, Harbaugh sat down at 745 and the tweet came out at 748. So, I mean, that's one of those. And I do this every day on a tweet deck as I'm putting out my podcast, right? I schedule it for the time I want it to drop. That tweet was scheduled to drop at that certain time. You're you're 100% spot on, Willie, that that's exactly what was going on. It's funny, actually, when uh, I was doing my show, uh, John Harbaugh walked by and he was looking at his phone and I just, you know, just messing around. I said, that's the man of the hour. And he looked over at me and said, yeah, what tweet or text is coming next, right? And he had fun with it. He just laughed. I mean, he he knew something was coming up. Look, he knew that, that Lamar asked for the trade back on March 2nd. but And I'm sure he was prepared to even speak on it, but to a certain extent. And then I don't think he thought that that tweet was going to come out so uh, he, he played it off really well. But, again, I think that uh, now everybody knows that, okay, Lamar really isn't happy with Baltimore, and he is ready to get up out of there. And, and uh, this is kind of something I expected was going to happen at some point. That relationship was going to get uh, damaged. And it looks like now that Lamar is, is really pretty adamant about, I don't want to be a Baltimore Ravens. So, again, I think multiple teams should be interested. I don't know what that means in the long run, but multiple teams should be interested. Yeah, we talked about uh, earlier, we, t- we found a story, Steve had showed a story that uh, had 10 teams and counted it down. Um, but with that, regardless of the team, all three uh, NFC South teams outside of the Saints, obviously, were listed on that list. Uh, your thoughts on, do the teams, are they, they going to have to give up two uh, first or should they not have to? You know, I mean, that's, it really depends on when it happens, right? I mean, if it happens before this draft, then two, fir- two ones will probably end up being what it is and then some. Uh, but if it happens afterwards and, and this relationship continues to be damaged, you know, there might be a point where Baltimore is like, you know what the hell with it, right? They're an organization. I always have respected their front office. I think they do things the right way, and I don't really know what the right way is, but it seems like they have a pretty good – pretty good control of what they're doing so at some point they might say you know what the juice is not worth the squeeze here right you haven't been available the last couple seasons when it mattered the most so yeah we're gonna go ahead and get the best deal for us and we'll go ahead and move you and whatever organization you go to they could pay you all the money that you want regardless of how much it is and we'll be comfortable with drafting whoever we believe that you know could be the next guy and I would not be shocked at all to see Baltimore do that and I get the sense around here again it's only Monday there's a whole another day here at the owners meeting a couple days here at the owners meetings that uh, there could be more conversations but I have a sense that that more people are believing that something's going to get done. TSP in Las Vegas on a Monday, Cofield and Company talking to Q Myers from over on Radio Nation, uh, Ra- Raider Nation Radio, <laughs> 920. Uh, he's in Phoenix, owners meetings, availability for Josh McDaniels today, and I know we talked about Darren Waller, right? Yes, yes, he did. As a matter of fact, I uh, was asked what went into the decision to make a trade, and he was very complimentary of Darren Waller, the person, but he wasn't very complimentary of Darren Waller, the availability, right? He just said that he, he was the guy I wish that I uh, had an opportunity to kind of coach up a little bit more because when he was out there for us, he was a big-time playmaker, and especially at the end of the season, you saw him when he finally got out there, what he can do, but they thought that it was an opportunity to get younger at that position. They thought it was an opportunity to get another draft pick, and this draft is going to be huge. I mean, for the Raiders, that's what they're they're banking on, that they're going to go into that draft with currently 12 draft picks, and they're going to get them three, four, five good starters out of this thing. And I don't know uh, what's going to end up happening. Of course, the Raiders haven't had a great history when it comes to draft, but that's not on these guys. That's not this uh, staff. So they're expecting to go in, into the draft and really get some good quality players. And so that's that was kind of going into the thinking of, of Darren Waller and why they did, made the decision 
to, to move on from them, not to mention they get cheaper at that position as well. If I'm a Raiders fan, one of the things that uh, McDaniel said would stick with me, because uh, reading here from Paul Gutierrez, McDaniels mentioned that they used the money saved on Waller to pay Jacoby Myers. Myers yep. better be good, and the tight end position better still be productive. Absolutely. You're, you're spot on about that, and I do think that Jacoby Myers is going to be a big addition and a big help for Jimmy G, but, of course, Jimmy G's got to stay on the field. Uh, but, you know, that, that that's the, always the hang-up with him. But Jacoby Myers is a guy that he knows the routes. He knows what Josh McDaniels wants him to do as a wide receiver. He comes from that system, and he said that McDaniels helped him become a better player. So I think that that's going to be a good addition um and and you're right the tight end position you know if they go and draft another guy of course they've added a couple guys at free agency nobody that i think is a home run hitter but they could always go into the draft in a very deep draft when it comes to the tight ends and get some uh, get another quality replacement yeah that be you know with the unfortunate uh news that we heard about foster moreau they're gonna have yeah. to do that the two that come to mind for me are darnell washington and dalton kincaid they're both vegas guys and they both were top-notch tight ends at their programs. Right, and the thing about those guys is they have to be blockers. That was the one thing that uh, that that Waller didn't do very well is block. And I know Washington for sure can block. <laughs> i got to continue to do my uh, research on Kincaid to see if he's a good blocker as well. But I know that Washington can. I would love to see him uh, be a, a tight end for the silver and black, but I just think he's going to end up being a first-round guy because of what he was able to do at the Combine. So we go on the road for events like this to get access to uh, lots of NFL folks, and I can't wait until Mark Davis speaks and gets to talk about the Waller trade, maybe a little bit on the Aces, what he thinks about Jimmy G being the guy moving forward. When are you guys getting Mark Davis? That's a great question, man. I love all the going on the road and getting this access, just like you mentioned. And, yeah, I would love to know when we're going to talk to Mark Davis and GM Dave Ziegler, and it Uh-oh. seems like, as Uh-oh. I've asked a few questions, we might not get those guys. I know Vinny had an opportunity to talk to him, you know, one-on-one, but uh, we're here to talk to them all, right? And and I've talked to Josh a couple times. We'd love to talk to Mark Davis and, uh, and Dave Ziegler. So I'm a little disappointed that so far that's not on the agenda. Hopefully I can get that to change by uh, tomorrow or Wednesday at the latest. So I saw that uh, Bobby Kraft spoke, and reporters mm-hmm. were asking him about Belichick surviving another non-playoff season, and apparently he wouldn't answer the question directly. Yeah, no, he didn't, and yeah, he he was around here talking uh, quite a bit to a bunch of different reporters, including uh, that Meek Mill actually gave him a call and said that Lamar Jackson wants to play for the Ah, the Patriots as well, which is pretty funny that a a rapper is calling an NFL owner, but there's that. So, yeah, um, it was was funny that he wasn't wasn't, uh, committal on that or wouldn't even answer that question about Belichick, but Belichick's walking around here with a big smile on his face. You know, he doesn't do the combine, so he wasn't there in Indy, but he's here, shorts, chilling, ready to go to the party tonight. The scuttle, but I'll use the word again, around the room when you guys are talking football and the Rodgers, Jets, Packers stuff comes up. What are NFL insiders thinking in terms of what's going to go back and forth? Uh, Reading earlier today, Packers still stuck on getting a first from the Jets and the Jets are only offering a second. Yeah, it sounds like the, that the Packers are just kind of, I don't want to say messing with Rodgers, but they're kind of slow playing this, right? I mean, that's kind of the, the sound that we we got when uh, Brian Gutenkus was talking. It's just like they're going to get it done, but I, I feel like just based off of what Rodgers does with McAfee every week, that they're just kind of saying, all right, you know what? You've been a pain in our side, and now we're just going to we're gonna drag this out because, again, I feel like that they have all the control, and I think that they have all the control because the Jets really blew it as far as negotiating in the media uh, not going to find out what the compensation was before they went and met with Rodgers. Like, there was a few missteps that uh, the Jets made, and I think that the Packers are taking advantage of it. Uh, everyone here feels like it's going to get done. The question is when, just because, again, uh, the Packers are, are taking their time with this thing. Last one, Q. we got 30 seconds left. What do you got, Willie? 
Just the, on that on that note, from the other side, though, it's being reported the Jets GM Joe Douglas said there's no rush on Aaron Rodgers. Lamar Jackson isn't even an option. It sounds like they're dragging their feet as well. They're just playing nice. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, they're playing nice. They're saying all the right things. Uh, they don't want to ruffle any feathers, but uh, they're, they're, all their eggs are in the basket of Aaron Rodgers, and at some point he'll be delivered. Q, we appreciate it. Have a good time down there, and uh, let's try to check in with you tomorrow. Absolutely. Will do, and uh, be safe when you head to, to Houston as well. I will. Thanks, Q. Q Myers on the road, Raider Nation Radio 920 in Phoenix to do a couple of shows. I think he's there through Wednesday, and as he mentioned, Final Four for uh, Cofield & Company at the end of the week. That will be brought to you by Subaru of Las Vegas and also Paul Law will be set up on Radio Row, Westwood One's Radio Row in H-Town again on Thursday and Friday. Yeah, reading a little more on the reaction of uh, Rodgers and the Packers and the Jets and the timeline and I saw one story say, yeah, the Packers can drag this out if they want. They save a little more money if they deal them after June 1st. Mm. The problem is, if you're trying to get draft capital back and the number one pick is really important, can you really wait until June and then miss out on the draft? Like getting the compensation from the Jets so you can use the pick or picks in this draft. Can they afford to wait? This is fascinating. The whole thing is fascinating, and I... As a Jets fan, I love what they're doing. Do not get ripped off because of their personal beef. Because the Packers and Rodgers, well, especially the Packers, want to play games now. No, don't even play into that game. No, and then Zach Wilson, starting quarterback. Let's do it. <laughs> if they're gonna, if they're going after the draft capital, you're right. They they need to make a move, but still, they have time to do that. And so when we say drag your feet, it could be a few more weeks. Reminder. Thursday, yeah, we're at the Final Four, but Willie's also hosting a VGK viewing party. Sharks, it's at SG, 215 and Flamingo. Get ready. Show up.